You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, sometime before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Latrice. Thank you, Queen, for being with me this morning. How are you? Good morning, Montoya. I'm great. Happy to be here. Uh, absolutely. You are a long-time queen of intellect. Uh, for those who may be first-time listening, I always keep a queen of intellect member on the show with me to keep me in check um, to make sure, you know, when I'm offering my three cents, as we always, you know, give out the phone lines and hope y'all call in and give us your three cents as well. But I always like to keep a queen on in a sense to make sure I don't go too far off the rails, whatever discussion that we're having. Uh, we love to do specialize in hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And I think today is a, a doozy, um, mostly from the perspective or the angle that I hope that we, in a sense, take versus maybe the expected conversation, if you will. But uh, before we get into that, Queen, if you will, give people a little bit of your background, help you know, to help them relate why picked you, if you will, uh, for this morning's discussion. Um, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? So if you will, introduce yourself a little more, Queen. Sure. Um, I'm Latrice. I am a um, diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. I like to say um, I've been doing it before it became popular. Um, I've been doing this work for about 15 years, and I work with organizations to ensure that employees of those organizations um, are treated equitably, are paid equitably, um, um, and help companies cultivate a culture of inclusion. No, I love it. I love it. And, um, again, I think – uh, being in that area, I think, so, again, makes you perfect for, if you will, this morning's topic or this morning's discussion question. Again, if you're a first-time listener, uh, we always do our show in the form of a question. I go by the name Black Socrates. So it's basically taking the Socratic method. If you ask the right questions, maybe you'll get to the right answers. And, again, this morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? 
I'm pretty sure most people out there listening in the news have at least seen the anticipated um, response for the Supreme Court on the case that, in a sense, brought Roe v. Wade uh, to the court to be revisited again after 50 years of legislation of, in a sense, abortion, if you will, being legalized around the country. And just to give a little backdrop again, because we're just to highlight, we're not getting into the right and wrong, of, if you will, of whether you agree with abortion. I want to go to a bigger place, but to give some context, and we have a break that will give even more context, but just to give a little backdrop for, for those that, you know, may have had a, had a chance to pay attention to the news. And so there have been uh, various states, Mississippi comes to mind, that basically banned abortion in order to get to this day where they would basically get their, in a sense, day in court to see if the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, again, if you're into politics, you understand that uh, our last president, if you will, were able to put some people on the court. The court is now considered uh, conservative, if you will, and they thought it would be an opportunity. And unfortunately, um, our system typically doesn't leak um, if you will, doesn't leak the, the potential decisions of the Supreme Court early, um, but this one got leaked early, so we kind of are uh, anticipating that this is actually what will happen. So that's just a little bit of the backdrop. Um, but if you will, Queen, let's start like we always do. When, you, when I say, hey, do you mind being on this show? Here's this discussion question. If the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? What was your first initial response to just the question being worded that particular way? Um, initially, without paying close attention to the wording, I was like, nah, I think I'm going to take a pass on this. I'm tired of talking about it. Um, but then when I actually saw, um, paid attention to how the question was phrased, I was like, okay, that's a good dialogue. I'd like to take a part in. No, glad to hear that because, yeah, um, you know, I, I figured it would be a hot button item. And what we typically do, again, for our first time listeners, all of our regular uh, truth seekers out there listening or intellectual outcasts, I like to refer to those who listen now. Um, I'm trying to give you all a place of solace from all the information, all everything that's going on out there in the in the media. But if we touch a hot button item, we're doing it with the idea of we're wanting to say something that's not being said in the media. And again, we've already had conversations in the past about whether we agree or disagree with abortion. Just having that again, tough conversation. This is not that conversation. It's in the event that this decision happens. We want to talk about what it looks like uh, legally, if you will. That's that's kind of simple. But the bigger picture is what does it mean to the African-American community whose this issue has closely been for a long time been a political issue throughout, whether you're in different states, whether you're throughout the nation, this issue has always come up politically, if you will, and now that it's moving in this direction, let's talk about what it means to our community and to our culture, if you will. So, um, yeah, you were about to pass it up, and then you realize the angle. So let's go into maybe one more thought before we go to our break, and I'll, that break's going to give a lot of context just to get everything a baseline to what's happening, and then we'll get more into this discussion, which is what does it mean for our community. So when you realize it was a little, you know, a different angle that said, all right, let me, let me partake, what else crossed your mind, Real, and then we'll go to a break. Um, I think because I've been so engaged in the gender equity conversation and, and controlling women's body dialogue that um, I changed my mind because it, I love to solve problems. And so the way the question was formed, it was let's look at solutions for this potential problem that's going to be coming our way. <clears throat> and it's a complex problem that needs a solution because we are already, um, when it comes to um, 
wealth equity, when it comes to children, we're already in a very um, messed up situation, for, for lack of a more um, tactful way to say it. So I thought that it would be great to engage in the solution center dialogue around what potential options do we have as a community of people um, that are going to be adversely affected by this decision. Um, so how do we move forward from here so that we can continue to um, rise up out of our current situation? No, absolutely, and that's absolutely the goal here is a solution-focused conversation, which is part of our mission. Uh, we like to engage in those type of conversations um, so that, again, we can progress as a community. And here's the reality. If you just even think about the idea of, hey, here's this new decision, and I, I don't think whether we think about it or don't think about it, I don't think there, that it will simply be business as usual, if you will, right? Like to a lot of times some things that happen in politics, sometimes we can as a culture or as a community we can get caught up in it. And sometimes we're not always sure that that decision is going to trickle down to our lives, but the media, in a sense, gets us caught up in it. I think this one can have some potential consequences if we don't get out ahead of it. And I think, in my opinion, and this is why I really wanted to do the show, was I think we can get still get caught up in the right and wrong of it and basically leave the next generation without any messaging that they may that they may need because again I don't think this is going to be business as usual no matter what side of this thing you fall on. So we're going to go to a break. We will open up the phone lines coming out of the break. We see the callers out there. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. We'll be right back, and we'll get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. Question: If the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. If the Supreme Court does strike down Roe, abortion rights would become a state-by-state issue. Local lawmakers could easily restrict access or outright ban ban abortion. Were Roe overturned today, an NBC News analysis from the Center of Reproductive Rights data shows at least 20 states would be set to ban abortions, the one on this map in blue. Thirteen of them have what are known as trigger laws on the books, meaning The overturn of Roe would trigger state laws that would almost immediately forbid abortions. The states in green have restrictions on abortion in place right now, and the states shown here in yellow have protected abortion rights through state laws and court rulings. In the yellow states, abortions are legal and will remain legal. And then there's New Mexico and New Hampshire. There, abortions would remain accessible but not protected by state law. So confusion. And abortion rights could soon be very different depending on where you live. In a moment, reporting from Garrett Hake in Austin, Texas, on one of the states with those trigger laws, first CNBC's Perry Russum in Chicago 
on where individual states stand now. As conservative justices started filling the Supreme Court, states began passing new abortion laws, preparing for a possible strike down of Roe v. Wade. We'll continue fighting for the unborn lives in our great state. In Alabama, lawmakers passed a near-total ban on abortions. In Kentucky and Florida, bills have been signed banning abortions after 15 weeks. We want these kids to grow up in loving homes. In Ohio, we really value uh, human life. Governor Mike DeWine signed the heartbeat bill in 2019. It makes abortion illegal after the first detectable fetal heartbeat. It only goes into effect if Roe is overturned. I think we're going to look and see if there are other laws uh, or other changes that we would want to make. Across the country, states are split by ideology, with leaders in Democratic states pushing to make their own moves. The state of New York will always be there for anyone who needs reproductive health care, including an abortion. In Connecticut, a new abortion rights bill is headed to the governor's desk. Right now, only doctors can perform an abortion. When the bill becomes law, advanced practice registered nurses, nurse midwives, and physician assistants will be added to the list. We're going to fight to protect a woman's right to choose. In Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker calls the state a safe haven for reproductive rights. If they can reverse 50 years of settled law, then every Supreme Court decision that has made this country freer and fairer can be reversed by this court. Illinois finds itself in a situation where it will be nearly surrounded by states that have some type of restriction. And state leaders say they welcome anybody who has to come here to get an abortion. Now, just a few hours ago in Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt signed a new bill making it illegal to get an abortion after six weeks. Last month, he signed a bill making it a felony to give an abortion. So now it will be illegal to give an abortion and get an abortion in the state of Oklahoma. Chef. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? As you hear a full backdrop of what could happen, as you hear some states have already moved and, in a sense, banned some aspect of abortions, others had to trigger or are in the sense anticipating this decision in the event that it does come down, those states would then put in this restrictions. So it sounded like this was, as I listened to that Latrice, we're probably looking at maybe a 30, 20 split split around the country, possibly uh, because again, Roe v. Wade um, obviously acted and um, approved it on the federal level, if you will. Uh, but the argument in the court, just to give some clarity on that, because I listened to uh, a lot of those um, arguments um, via C-SPAN when they were actually making the argument, and even those, in a sense, just to, I like to, this one thing stood out to me when I was listening to the um, arguments in the, at the Supreme Court. It was this one particular part, and I wanted to bring this clarity uh, just just so that people understand it. At one point, I remember one of the justices asked, the, in a sense, the plaintiff, if you will, to to uh, you know going against Roe v. Wade, um, it is basically says something to the effect of it's it's your understanding. They're saying this to the plaintiff. It's your understanding that uh, based on the argument that you're bringing here, you understand that some states may maintain uh, abortion rights and others may turn it down. And the plaintiff basically, the lawyer arguing again, said basically saying that a absolutely understand this we do just think this is an issue that should not be handled by the supreme court so i i I, again listened to a lot of it that was the thing that stood out the most just from the standpoint of 
you know, if you didn't have time to listen to that or understand exactly what was being ar- argued, I always wanted to give the clarity for our show that to a degree, this we understand was an overall attack to get to this day and get rid of Roe v. Wade, if you will. Uh, but the argument wasn't just simply to get rid of abortion, if you will. They attacked it legally from a constitutional law standpoint to say, hey, I don't know if the Supreme Court should be in this business, which reverts back to, in a sense, always the, in the idea of constitutional law from the standpoint of what should the federal government be involved in and what should be state rights. So it got kind of shot down specifically from that and I, I thought it was appropriate in a sense to provide that clarity I don't know if you want to add anything to just again given that baseline before we jump right into the ultimate discussion that we wanted to have but I just wanted to feel like wanted to make sure you agreed that that was a, a piece of clarity that I think people should understand about exactly what happened in the Supreme Court um, d- during the, d- during the um, arguments if you will um, I don't want to add anything. I think that, you know, there are some things that they're overlooking as they, they talk about it from a constitutional perspective, but you, you gave a, a nice summary of it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, again, just that together. clarity. Yeah. All right, so let's yeah. go ahead and jump into this hot and heavy. And so, again, moving past, for anybody out there listening, the right and wrong of abortion, and you can call in and give us your three cents for all of you on the phone line. You can press one and get in this discussion as well. But, again, just for clarity purposes, we're not just saying, do you agree or disagree with abortion? So what I wanted to ask you, Lucrece, to jump this thing off really is when you think about this anticipated conversation coming down, we just heard the synopsis, it may be a 30-20 split, what are there consequences or things we should be concerned about specifically in the African-American community now that this is the new landscape? What crosses your mind when I ask that question in particular? I think what's going to happen is that concept of intersectionality of women is going to play out more openly and more people will understand that concept because what I see happening is that um, white women um, won't be nearly as impacted as black and brown women. Number one, more black and brown women live in states that have restrictive laws on the book. So more of us live in those states. Um, more of us are living below or at the poverty line. And and, and actually 75% of the abortions that are performed are performed on women that are at the poverty line or or below. And a large number of those are black women. And so one of the first consequences, also let me add this very important, black women have the highest maternal mortality rate, meaning that more black women die giving birth to children than other races in this country. And so I think that forced pregnancies will increase that maternal mortality mm. rate. It will also further um, dig, us, dig some women into poverty situations because, again, 75% of the abortions that are performed are performed on women that are living in poverty. So it's only going to exacerbate that situation. Well, I never thought about the mortality rate. Oh, that, and that is scary uh, because um, the United States is absolutely um, behind when it comes to the quote-unquote developed countries, right? Um, mm-hmm. And when it comes to um, the mortality rate of mothers in comparison to other countries, uh, specifically the quote-unquote developed countries, um, whatever the United States is behind on that. So I never, I never even thought about that. And let me even add this as I was researching this week, uh, just the i, just the idea of some kind of basically shows what you just said. I think the New York Times put this out. 
idea of the average person who gets an abortion as we speak right now is typically is already a mother, is in her late 20s, attended some college, has a low income, is unmarried, is having or having um, first abortion and lives in a blue state, which, which, is, which is the last thing you already spoke to, that um, the impact actually could um, affect even those outside of the demographic because um, like you said, a lot of us are already in restrictive states that have already started this process. So just wanted to give, again, that baseline. We actually got a caller that wants to jump in. Let's get their three cents um, before we move this conversation along. Area code 602, last three, eight, eight, two. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Greetings in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Pastor Don Jr., CEO I'm calling from Sunny Mesa, Arizona. It's early in the morning, and I'm loving the topic of the discussion. I want to add to the actual conversation. Uh, abortion is one of those things that's for years been talked about so many different times, so you have to be very selective when you put a topic up like that. And I'm amazed how well y'all brought out a lot of the, uh, the legal ramifications, but on spiritual plateau. We can't make decisions for God. At the same time, we can't make those decisions. The baby don't get a chance to input and tell what they feel. So I, I really feel that this whole topic of discussion is very, very touchy. With that being said, my feelings are I don't think they should overturn Ray versus Roe. That, that's just the way I feel. I mean, I, I've seen so many things in my life happen, but I don't think that we should act as God and move things around and do things. So that, that's my take on it, man. I appreciate no, no, the show. No, no, no. I, respect the I respect that very much. Uh, let me ask you a question just to kind of further, again, even outside of your personal thought, if you will. Um, uh, what's your last name, brother? I know it's John C. Uh, make sure I'm saying it correctly. Pastor. John, what's your last name? Uh, Don Jr. CEO. Pastor Don, Don Jr. Jr. CEO. CEO. I'm sorry, sir. So, um, but with that said, uh, my question would be, uh, what when you say you don't think they should, are there any consequences you anticipate if if somebody goes, you know, maybe their state is a trigger state, right? So this decision actually comes down, and now the state puts in a restriction. Do you anticipate uh, any effects on the African American community specifically? Like, can you just give me a thought of any concern you you, you in a sense might have specifically well, people- for our community? People are always going to do what they want to do at the same time. Um, the reason why laws are put on books is to keep the whole world as a whole moving like it should move. And we can't move just going back and regressing on what's already on the book. Not everything's on the book should be there, but at the same instance, when you think about taking a whole life, that's a whole different situation. So, okay. I mean, I, I don't I don't see a mass widespread pandemic. But I do see with the pandemic happening, stuff like this is coming about and being talked about. No, absolutely. Well, thank you for your three cents um, this morning, King. Appreciate you very much calling out of Arizona. Yeah, I'm beyond. All right. Thanks a lot, King. Appreciate you. So where I wanted to go, um, Latrice, if you will, thinking about the consequences, I think about the consequences of, in a sense, from this perspective of how we – talking and preparing message-wise to this new landscape, as I I keep using the word, I feel like it's a a new landscape, right? So right now it's just a few states 
that are have these restrictions because they wanted this day to come. So this day happened, and it's going to potentially be half the country is actually illegal. And so when I think about that average mother, right, and you, like you said, to a degree, there's going to be possibly more even, you know, as you said, more people getting pregnant. The mortality rate for black women in particular could be more of an issue. I definitely didn't think about that. That actually could be a situation. Um, but I'm thinking more of how do we prepare our children? Is this a decision in which we can, in a sense, have, go uh, go about our business as usual? Or should we think about how we're preparing our children for this new landscape. And here's the thing that I always think about. So we've done shows in the past where, you know, what did your parents teach you about sex? Or what did you learn about sex, if you will, right? And when we did those shows, it was alarming because most people that called in talked about that there wasn't much conversation about sex ever in their lives, in particular from their parents, if you will. Uh, Most of, a lot of people learn from their peers, uh, a lot of BS, and we're in a world that's even more sexualized now, and now we have this, this, if you will, this decision coming down that changes the landscape on whether a lot of people who may have in the past, by choice, for whatever reason, say, you know what, this is not a good situation for me, Uh, I'm not going to bring this child in the world that may be going away for a lot of people. So I think there are inevitable, in my opinion, inevitable consequences. We know this decision is coming down. We have, I think it, it means as a community, it is time to step up what that conversation looks like. Because historically, here's something that I always feel that is never considered uh, about, in a sense, from, from a historical standpoint, when it comes to how sex is talked about in our country. Historically, we know uh, and if you will, with the biblical per- principles and the conservative principles, if you will, in a sense, a lot of what we learned about what to do and not to do came from a biblical principle. But I've always said for our generation, what was very different was while those principles were it was me being raised in the South, if you will, so me being raised in the Bible Belt, I was raised with those principles. What I always thought about from a conservative biblical perspective this is the the only generation of humans that were getting married as late as we getting. Like the average marriage right now is 27 years old. And I'm highlighting that because um, while I respect the conservative vows and and the, the purpose of church, if you will, and, and what that teaches about getting, you know, into sex too early or, you know, maintaining it till you're married, if you will, humans didn't ever have to wait 27 years to, to in a sense follow biblical principles, and I and that's relatively, in my opinion, super unrealistic based on natural human hormones. And so, in a sense, we are in a sense that first generation that was asked to fo- follow biblical principles, but technically asked to quote unquote remain virgins until we're 25, 26. Past cultures never even had to consider that. And if somebody broke that, typically the dude, the idea was to get married to, in a sense, handle that family. We've moved completely away from that. So I'm, I'm saying all that to say biblical principles alone are, won't be enough to address this new reality because we've already seen the results of that over the last 60 years, even with abortion being in place for 50 years of that. Your thoughts on that, Queen? I'm sorry. I got you. Uh, you, you're good to go. Sorry about that. I had you muted, Queen. Go ahead. 
we also have a generation, this is a generation that's, that where there's the largest number of folks who are moving away from living by or abiding by those biblical principles as well. So um, whereas before we kind of just fell in lockstep with what we were taught, we have, you know, the millennials and Gen Zers are actually leaving church, leaving organized religion at extremely high numbers. So if they don't believe or abide by those principles, then that's a complete null point. It's null and void. And so we have to find there's going to be, there's going to have to be some other, something that draws them in to have this conversation about um, celibacy or abstinence and, and, you know, waiting until marriage and why that's important. And, you know, it's going to be one of those conversations around, well, this is the plight, because it is a plight that our community is in, and this is one of the ways to ensure that you don't get caught in the trap of having children by multiple women, um, because we're, you know, we're, we're I'm, I'm saying this as if Roe v. Wade has been overturned, because we now live in a society where pregnancies are forced to term, and um, you're going to have to live, you know, as my grandma used to say, you, you, you're making this bed, you're going to have to lie in it and the consequences that come with it. And so I think that those consequences are going to be steep for um, the upcoming generation because um, abortion has been one of those ways. And it should by, you know, it, although abortion should always be a woman's personal choice, I don't think that a woman should use it for birth control when there are, you know, when there are measures that you can, can put in place. Can, if you can, if you have access to them, with regard to contraceptives. So I do think that we're going to have to have those talks um, and not talk about birds and bees, but talk about real women and men, and and what happens and the consequences for those actions in a real, realistic sense of if this happens, these are the consequences, and this is literally how it will impact the rest of your life. No, absolutely. I came along, I was coming of age during the AIDS crisis, if you will, right? And so I remember still young enough, still involved in the church when, you know, when I was younger to the degree that it became a, a big discussion for whether the church was ready to have those real conversations about protecting protective sex, like the, because the schools were in a sense, because of the AIDS p- pandemic, if you will, um, schools were starting to input sex education. And so the church was kind of thrown in a space because, again, the church being heavily involved in the community, it was starting to be, you know, where the church should even have that dialogue for their constituents, if you will. And so I definitely remember some church churches saying, hey, here's the reality. These, children, these kids are having sex. And so some children for their youth ministries would, in, would, would have that conversations. And some, based on their, you know, biblical principles, you know, would not have those conversations. And so I think this decision, in a sense, speaking of the church specifically, is putting will put that church, the church, back in that place because over the time, now that we've in a sense gotten the AIDS, you know, epidemic, if you will, under control to a degree, we've even seen conservatives take public, um, public sex education out of schools. So it was a benefit for us, and it helped turn the. AIDS, you know, epidemic around, in my opinion, so we saw good results, but over the years, it's been taken out, so I think this decision 
is a time to talk about the possible return of that, regardless of how you feel about it religiously. We're up against another break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you serious about learning how to earn significant income on a regular basis as a trader or investor in the U.S. stock or foreign exchange markets? If so, you may be the perfect student to learn technical analysis for trading or investing at the Blacks Academy. With over 15 years of experience in investment strategies, here's what a current student recently said about his experience at Blacks Academy. Yeah, this class has been excellent, and I've had a lot of experience trading, but um, this is the most exposure that I've had to breaking down the theory behind TA. I'm really excited to continue the journey. For a similar experience, don't allow new traders with overnight success to promise you riches they can't deliver on. Instead, learn the foundations of trading and investing the right way at Blacks Academy. To learn more, visit them at blacks.academy online. That's B-L-A-X-E dot academy. Or search for Blacks Academy on YouTube. Don't you have to get a DNA before you can be put on child support? We went you together. didn't show up to court twice. It was once. So hold on. You paying child support for this baby? Yes. yes. Thousands of dollars. But you say you've never had a DNA test? No. And that's because you had a court date. Yeah. And he missed. He and missed the court date. So you were named and the father by default. The time. Yes. Yep. That's how it works. Yep. Yes. You. True. But after that happened, we had tried to get it all situated out by trying to get two tests done with this court. I can actually look in my court records and see you had a court date on my docket the last year. Ms. Middlebrooks didn't show up. No. Right, because I prefer to do this outside of this. Why do we have to come here I for went him to, get, to finally do it? I went to get swabbed. I did the so, whole thing that I was supposed to do, but she didn't do it. Why couldn't we do it outside of here? So That's tell me about the nature of your relationship with Mr. Portis. Were you boyfriend and girlfriend? Uh, we started talking first and then eventually started dating. It happened fast. So. At what point did you find out you were pregnant? Um, a few months later. But when she got pregnant, we stopped talking. So like we weren't we weren't talking at the time that she got pregnant like we weren't talking but when she after the fact that she got pregnant she had hit me up and was like hey I'm pregnant and be prepared wait, so wait, for we, child were, support we were definitely together, and all this other we were stuff. Definitely together. No, we I called weren't. you after I got the text no we weren't because I okay. found out that she had another boyfriend okay, okay wait how did you find out she had another boyfriend because I looked on her Facebook and I seen her with this dude and I'm like who is this and then she like somebody I used to talk to. But he was still in the picture. How did you know that? Because of, after she got pregnant, a letter she sent them. Wait a minute. I sent the guy a letter telling him that I was pregnant, letting him know what was going on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is, this is exactly why young people don't have no business making babies. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? If you're just now tuning in, we're trying to talk about the landscape that is forthcoming based on the the leakage of the potential decision that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade, and not just simply whether you agree with abortion or disagree with it. I contend that people will spend too much time on that versus preparing these babies for 
the new landscape as we just hear an example of currently something that's, that, that's happened in the past in fraternity court. So this kind of stuff, unfortunately, goes on every day anyway. I would say there's absolutely a potential for this to increase with if half the country, if you will, um, bans abortion based on Roe v. Wade possibly being overturned, and the states will have a decision on their own. So my, for the most part, it, wherever they, if you're in a blue state, probably going to keep your abortions right. If you're in a red state, you're probably they're going to be banned. The reality for our children is you, even if you're in a blue state and are in, and agree with it, your child could go to school in a red state one day or vice versa. If you're content and happy that your state is abandoning it, your child still could go to a blue state and get in a situation and put, you know, the safety you think you have in your state all up to, all up in jeopardy. And again, that's just keeping it real about what either side either side um, that you're on. But if you will, Latrice, um, as you hear the judge say, "Hey, this is exactly why these children don't need don't need to be having babies." And again, I think it's imperative that our solution talk discusses the reality, regardless of what side of this thing you are on. Your thoughts, Queen? I agree. And this is someone coming from someone who had a child at 16. Um, but the question is, how do you stop that? Because even if you have, the realities of the black communities are this. If you are in a dual parent household, if you have both parents in the household, likely the larger percentage of that of those households, both parents work outside of the home. And so that leaves, and this was what happened in my case, that leaves lots of free time where children are unattended, and they can get into, they're left to their own devices and decide what things they're going to get into. And so that's going to happen. And I think because we look at um, economic inequity, that's going to play a large part in, in what happens. When we think about what I just said, those two-parent households, um, because black people are typically paid less from a wage perspective than, than their peers, so you're working hard, and we're in a country now where healthcare is extraordinarily expensive, and so you have all of these dynamics um, coming together to create this major, major shift in our society. And with that, there are going to be the economic consequences. Um, one of the things that we have to think about, and this happens in with relationships with young people, um, you're going to have more women staying in, in relationships where there's intimate partner violence. Um, the ramifications for this this decision are, are they're just so the, the negative. So let, me, let me ask you about what you just said, though. Decision. That part right there. I don't know how this decision has. Why would it affect that? In just I'm not because a lot of women. Okay. If there is a forced pregnancy and I'm already living below the oh, poverty okay. line okay. and I, I need to do to help me pay my bills without a child, right. what am I going to do if I leave this dude who's beating my behind every day with okay. a child? Yeah, that's why I got a woman on here because I didn't even think about that specific, you know, that specific area that these are the, all the areas that are at, at risk for increase. And if you're listening to this show, the dialogue now has to be, how do we navigate and what do we say? I hope that it drives us to have more dialogue, but I'm fearful, Latrice, that it won't have, make us have more dialogue. I'm sorry, you were saying something else, so let me let you finish what you're saying. Thank you, for, thank you for adding that clarity because I didn't know, I didn't quite see how it would happen, but you're right. Yeah, more of these situations where children come to terms, 
create a lot more attention for people who are just really not ready. Again, we're not focused on the right and wrong of it, but you're right. That's a consequence. So because there's a consequence, in, in my opinion, it makes this discussion even more imperative. Go ahead, Queen. Right. But I don't think that we're that we're going to see more of those conversations being held right away. Um, I do think that as our society evolves and, and if, if, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, that the the consequences of forced pregnancies will cause those conversations to take place, but it will likely be after the fact. So you may be talking to that next generation of child where you've already gotten ensnared in having a child at a young age, but because you've endured such hardships, let me prepare my child so that he or she doesn't take the same path that I took so that there can be um, better outcomes for them. But the, the the first round of consequences, if you will, we're going to see ourselves in, in a more economically downward trajectory um, because, you know, people always like to say that, that, you know, they're doing this because they want to preserve the white, the white race or white women are going to, you know, they have more access to capital, more access to money, so they're going to, they're going to get abortions. They always have. It's black and brown women who are going to be forced to carry these pregnancies to term, and they're already at an economic disadvantage. So we're going to see that begin to play out in our community. And I think those consequences are going to cause that next generation to have the conversation with their children that I don't think will initially be held. Um, I think that, and this is my personal opinion, we're going to have to put away that spiritual thing about we don't talk about this and we're going to have to stop um, filling in birds and bees for girls and boys and have to put real um, real names, real real situations to these conversations. Uh, we're going to have to put sex education back on the map. We're going to have to do all these things that we've seen systematically taken away. Um, and it's hurt our communities, but this is going to add exponentially to what's already hurt our community. And that's why we're having this conversation for people to get ahead of the game and think about what it looks like. Cause I think there's absolutely ways to be smart about this new landscape. If we're willing to have the conversation. And as I said, part of it is the unwillingness. I've always said this and we'll go to the callers. Got a couple of callers. Um, we'll come to y'all right after the break. Um, I've always said this, both of the political, when you get to get into the politics for a second here, and again, not about whether you agree or disagree with abortion, but both political sides, to me, are funny in the stance that they take. I've always, you've heard me say this before, Latrice, but I want to share, share it today because, as we say, because if you will, in this situation, we know it's the conservatives that wanted this turned down, but yet they're reluctant to sex education. So it's just kind of like it's backwards. And I've always said both parties are backwards in my opinion, based on what they typically push with their agendas. I've always said, uh, if you will, liberals should be pro-life and conservatives should be pro-choice based on their ultimate agendas. And what I mean by that is uh, Democrats and liberals, if you will, in a sense, quite often are pushing for social policies in the event that you're having an issue, whether it's a low-income issue, and have they put in programs, if you will, to take care of children in the event that you're in that situation, right? And so uh, because they have those programs, in a sense, when you think about that agenda, it seems like 
life would be on that side because they push for programs in a sense to take care of somebody having a child that may be in some type of hardship. And then vice versa, Republicans seem like they should be pro-choice because they don't put in programs to take care of these babies in the event that, you know, if you, as you like to say, um, you know, women are forced to have them, if you will. And so with that said, it's never made sense to me how these two political issues, in my opinion, should be on the opposite side based on their ultimate genders. Give me a quick thought on that. We'll go to break and we'll get to our callers coming out of the break. Oh, I absolutely agree. You have the the pro-lifers whom I call pro-birthers because once that that fetus becomes a child and is born, they could care less about um, education. They could care less about proper nourishment. They could care less about um, being li- living in a house in, in a decent home, they could care less about wages that your parents make. They could care less about whether or not your parents get hurt or, or injured or killed at work. So they're pro-birth. They're not pro-life. It's about control of a woman's body, and it always has been. Again, just thoughts. I think both sides are backwards in the, when it comes to their ultimate agenda. We're going to get to the callers coming out of the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Correct. So this child you've been paying child support for? Only seen her four times in my life. And I've never seen the baby. But I'm supposed to step up and be a grandmother. I didn't ask you to step up. I want Brian to you to the you message you my phone talking about what, well, what you're, do you're I need some type of grandma and this and that what and the other. Yes, I because be you're not encouraging him to get the DNA I've never test even done. Seen. As his mother, you should encourage him to get the test done. I did. Not to to... You backed out. I did. You didn't encourage him. You son. backed out. Oh, you're on it. This is the thing, girl. If he was put on child support, why why you didn't just go back to the court, file the paperwork? And take her to court. But do you understand, Ms. Middlebrooks, when you didn't show up to court, whether you wanted to do it or not, that just fueled his doubt even further. Yes, That she's trying to avoid something. She's got something to hide. I understand. She's not going to, she doesn't want to come clean. I understand. It just kept the wheel. I'm sorry? Just like when he didn't show up to child support court. That's me telling, you scared, you running. That's how I felt. No, I was running. running. One, Ryan. You can't call off work for one day. with court and everything like that. I was that. telling my I didn't son know to that go I was going to be defaulted as a dad. If I didn't go, was I was in happen. training. I was in training for management, and I didn't know that, like, you know what I'm saying, if I was to miss court, I, it was going to be this big of a situation. Oh, yes. Now I know. Yes. But I was inexperienced with all this stuff that was going on at the time. This, this so. is a, and this is exactly why I tell people you're making babies, you got to understand correct. the system. Yeah, correct. So we're here now with all of this drama there's still a very real possibility you're Ava's father. Yes. And if you're not, you may not be able to get yourself off child support. Because you may have waited too long. 
that is the court's decision. And the court will follow what is in the best interest of the child. Sometimes we have to learn lessons the hard way. You're right, Your Honor. Welcome back to the Bitter Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? As you, again, you hear the same paternity court case that's happened in the past. It's a part of, I picked this out because, again, the, uh, the reality is we're not going to get ahead of this messaging. We're going to see more and more of what you're hearing there. And what stood out for to me in particular, right before we go to the callers, I want to get a thought from you as well. But what stood out to me the most as I was listening to that dialogue was when the young man, I think, sincerely says, hey, I, you know, I had a court date, but I'm in training for management, and I, you know, not understanding ignorance of the law, right, is never, you know, as a young person, you don't really understand that ignorance of the law is not an excuse, right? So him not understanding that he, in his opinion, chose, I'm going to go ahead and make sure I get stay in this training for this management. I don't want to miss this due to this court date. But I hear his mother say, all the while, I told him this is exactly what could happen. And so him as a it looks like when I saw the video, he was like he's maybe a te- maybe they're still. I think they're both teenagers when I saw it. So I assume that maybe older teens at this point. And so um, his mother even gave him the game. And again, this is how we as young people sometimes on our own still make our own decisions. And so he's offering it as a seeming like a legitimate excuse. But when his mother says, "Hey, I told him that," he still disregarded his mother saying, "Hey, this is your consequence if you don't go to court." And I'm just highlighting we both know young people do these type of things. And so, again, for me, it adds to how what you said, we, if we don't act on it, the parents are not acting on this new reality, it will be after we've had consequences, which will have unfortunate bad results because we didn't get out in front of it. So we got to figure out how we have enough dialogues so young men are not and women are not making these type of mistakes because the consequences are the, – the, 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 the stakes are higher now is what I mean to say. So one thought, and then we're going to the callers. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, and I think I, I've said it, you know, we're just going to have to see these, these consequences play out in our lives with higher maternal um, death rates higher incidences of economic insufficiency, and then we'll do what's right. That's just how humans are wired, I guess. Man, I, I don't want that to be the case. Let's go to these callers. 832, last 3782, give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, peace, y'all. It's Oshun Montoya. Good morning. Hey, how you doing, Queen? Thanks for calling in. Give us your three cents on this. Again, we're trying to figure out, What's the landscape going forward with this new reality more so than do we agree or disagree with abortion, if you will? Your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, and I called in a little bit late, so please forgive me if I'm being redundant. Um, But I had a couple of thoughts as you guys were talking from what I heard. Um, The first one is that um, just the, the, the lack of access to abortion isn't about the conservative moral compass. So you're right. The discussion really isn't about whether or not we agree or disagree with abortion. Um, but I do want to point out that um, I think I read somewhere that whites have become the minority in 300 counties, over in excess of 300 counties in the United States, and are projected to be the minority in the United States by 2050. 
also uh, my position that the that the abortion um, discussion is around um, what the sister said, the host that your co-host said, it's around controlling the bodies of women, but also about population control. Um, black and indigenous women are um, casualties of war, basically, um, in a, a fight between white men and white, white women. Um, and let me let me jump in on that before you make your next point. Before you make your next point, because uh, I want to share something with you, and I want you to go look this up, if you will. Okay. Um, but just so you know, because I know you have another point, so I wanted to make this one first before you go to your next point. So just so you know, and again, go look this up. And I, I think you know, I'm an avid researcher. So the actual these laws taking effect will actually spe- speed up the, um, in a sense, the company, the country becoming majority minority. It actually is going to actually speed it up. So I know people make that argument, but and I'll say, I'll share with you very briefly how it will. So, so like right now, currently the birth rates, um, and this has been two years ago where I looked at these numbers. So again, go look it up, and and you'll see what I'm talking about. But currently, on average, um, the way things are currently happening is basically per every 100 child born, blacks, if you will, will have six more children than whites, and Hispanics will have about 11 more currently as we speak uh, when this abortion actually due to the number of abortions that happen within african-american communities and within the hispanic community actually surprisingly because again i know people think this is going to actually you know have this idea that this will help preserve the white race if you will but what happens is due to the number of abortions that are had in our community, it actually nets out to where it actually increases. That number goes from six per 100, as far as African-American children being born, more so than whites, goes to actually 11. So it actually negates out due to the number of disproportionate abortions that are had in our community in the event that those abortions were to go away. You actually, it's going to be faster than 2050. Just, just, get, just again, go look that up. I've looked at the numbers specifically, and I promise you it's actually going to speed it up. I know you were making another point. I just wanted to t- tell you to look that up and share it. And I want other people to hear that information as well because I know that gets pushed. But go ahead, Queen. Yeah, so I agree with that, and I know those numbers actually. But what you're talking about are actual statistical facts versus what the um, – uh, people, the the majority of people who are hyper reactive and responding to something. Right, the are mindset. Doing. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the that's average fair. lawmaker, I can guarantee you, does not know what you just said. The average person yeah, who's fair. voting that's does not know what you just said. So we're talking about numbers fair. versus how people hyper emotionally react to something. So yeah, still, fair. the root cause is about people being afraid of being the minority, despite the fact that that's not not going to serve their interests in the long run. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes um, sense. Absolutely, that's fair. So. Um, also, I was going to say that it's about access to power in society because when women with children, and this is we live in a society where women with children are, uh, they make women with children make less money. They on average have less education. They on average are less likely to hold political office, and et cetera. So it's also a quote unquote conservative. Um, we had this big push that uh, because patriarchy is uh, flailing, basically, you have a big push from both um, from males of all ethnicities who are pushing for the control of women. And it has been known since time immortal that um, if, if you impregnate a girl early, you limit her access to power in society, which is why in all societies that are patriarchal, uh, girls are routinely impregnated as soon as they start menstruating. Um, also, the sister talked about domestic violence. And she talked about how the load of additional children could be 
um, an issue with domestic violence and add stress to a household. But I also want to point out that, yes, um, additional children or unwanted, quote-unquote, unwanted children can um, cause problems. But, however, um, the number one cause of death in pregnant women is death by spouse. This is for all ethnicities, all income levels, everything, um, no matter how many children that, that woman has. And so um, women being forced to be pregnant will definitely, we will definitely see an uptick in domestic violence because um, a, a, being a black woman and being pregnant is like the number one um, uh, uh, risk factor listed in being murdered or abused by your spouse. So, yeah, domestic violence and murder will definitely increase. However, I do think that um, black and indigenous people have uh, been controlling our fertility since forever. It, abortion is as old as pregnancy. So this whole question, even Christianity didn't really take a stance on um, banning abortion until like the early 1900s. Um, before that, Christians routinely uh, practiced abortion and birth control. Um, so I think that black people, we will see a return to what you guys were both saying. We'll see a return to like traditional ways. People are going to be more knowledgeable about herbs. They're going to be teaching their kids about cycles and, uh, you know, uh, menstruation and about um, when you're ovulating, both boys and girls will know about this. I think it will force us into a position. You'll never get rid of abortion because women have been aborting since forever. But we will. So what I would like to ask to have you, if you could, if you could just add this to the conversation before you go, um, Queen. So I definitely understand what the consequences are. The dialogue is really past that, and and I think you're talking about some of the things that are going to happen. But I don't know. I would like to hear like what does that? How does that dialogue look? Because I want to get out ahead of. With this new landscape, how do how like, those things you're talking about? I'm, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with some of that. So what type, like what is that conversation? You know what I mean? Like what's the conversation that moves us past these new higher stakes consequences? What are what I, I, I hear you saying these things, but what does that look like? What does it sound like? Because I think we don't get there without you know understanding those conversations. Because if we moved away from it, the return to it has to be somebody explaining it to us. Does that make sense? It, explaining what? What do you mean? So when you say I think deep understanding fertility, that kind of thing, um, I don't think right. that just automatically takes place as our as our in a sense as our culture. If we if we've lost sight of those things, I don't think we just automatically right. return to those things automatically. So the dialogue that I think is more necessary is the conversations to return to it. You know what I mean? Like highlighting the consequences is why we're having this conversation. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Above beyond the consequences, if these are our new reality, how do we culturally start having dialogue to move our our communities to how to navigate smartly with these new laws? So we're really trying to move past these ultimate consequences. Right. That you're, if, if that's the dialogue we're trying to have today, if that makes sense. It does. And I think um, I, I was kind of getting there, but I think that um, culture is like this, ever-evolving thing that happens, like, in sync, right? There's this – did you ever hear the story of the 100 monkey? Basically, these scientists um, were studying monkeys um, somewhere off the coast of Japan, and um, the monkeys learned how to do something new. They would give these monkeys sweet potatoes, and then eventually mm -hmm. one monkey went and rinsed her sweet potato off in the ocean and then figured out a way to peel it in a way that other monkeys had not. And then after a certain amount of monkeys had done this, all over the world, monkeys, they observed monkeys doing this. So, like, right. this 
um, the, the 100th monkey um, is, is like um, this idea that we live in a shared consciousness and people kind of catch on to things but not uh, at the same time, right? They kind of, we're kind of in sync as a, as, a, as a community. And so I think that's part of it. And the other part of it is that these things aren't happening in a, in a, in a glass jar, all these things that have been happening, we've been working our way up to this. And so people have been responding to this for decades. I know that personally, when I, I went into um, a school about a few, uh, about six months ago, and I saw that there was a doula in the school teaching um, about, uh, you know, a woman's body and childbirth no. and um, herb kind of thing. And no. so I feel like this, it, this is happening uh, concurrently. I don't feel like we're going to be like, oh, well, now we're starting to the beginning. You know, people mm-hmm. have been returning to this state for many, many years, and we'll continue to push forward with that. So, Makes yeah, sense. going forward, I think that the answer is going, going to be that, number one, um, women are going to fight back um, about our autonomy and our ability to control our, our fertility. But, number two, uh, we'll see changes in society in which we will all concurrently kind of come to a mass agreement about what needs to be done. We'll see mass changes being made in our culture. Yeah, that, that gives me hope because, again, I definitely wanted to be passed, whether it's right or wrong and what the new consequences are. But, yeah, that gives me hope. And it makes sense. That is kind of to a degree how um, culturally, yeah, the human's will of justice is your bigger point and you, and you feel like things are already happening. And I agree just from the standpoint of, even me as a man, you know, knowing what a doula is and things like that, because we've had some of those conversations with, you know, with the mortality rates and talking about different ways to um, just even improve pregnancies for for our community who's already having issues currently as we speak. So I think I hear you saying we're already having to make adjustments based on our what our reality already has been, and some of those adjustments are only going to aid to this new landscape. So that's what I think I hear you saying. So I appreciate you for those thoughts. We are up against the break. Um, um, Last three three zero six. We'll get to you coming out of the break. Thank you, um, Oshun, for getting, giving us our three cents this morning. All right, we'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Truth seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetup, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. 
But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money, smell like money, talk like money, even walk like If you want more episodes of Paternity Court, make sure to subscribe and click on the notification bell. When it comes to two-year-old Ava Middlebrooks, it has been determined by this court. Mr. Portis, you are the father. You are Ava's father. Thank you, Your Honor. That is your beautiful little girl. Appreciate it. What do you feel, Miss Middlebrooks? Can you tell me? Now she knows. Now she knows. And that's a relief for you. That's a relief. When I said one to two months is too close for comfort, I saw your face and your body language. You nodded in agreement. I think you knew that there was reason to doubt. And I think you did what many young girls do, is you played both sides of the coin. You did what we call the double dip. (laughs) I'm not even laughing because it's out of desperation because you know you don't know but you know you want your child to know the dad, so you just entertain them both. Which wasn't right, because now I've been out this baby life her whole life. Like. Well, the thing is, is you going to step up now? Now that you know, where do we go from here? I'd like to ask Miss Middlebrooks if it would be okay. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? As we hear the final cut, I'm playing from that particular court case in that situation, even though it was up in the air, and as the judge said, was a quite high, it was made sense why it was likely, because she was dealing with a couple of guys a month or two out from the baby, so it was realistic to for that in a t- that particular fa- father, if you will, to have some doubt and given even more details to the case, uh, she actually put the child on the first guy, the other guy for a while, and then she finally came clean. So that's to a degree how they got to that court to figure out he in fact was the father. Again, this goes on daily. Um, I just think. Um, the, the idea for this particular show with this potential decision coming down was that we, in a sense, ring the alarm about this new reality. I think I appreciate a lot of what Oshun has, has just delivered from the standpoint that culture, in a sense, humans will figure it out to a degree. I just, in a sense, wanted to get ahead of, uh, in, a, in a sense, this situation because the, the case we just heard, you're going to see and hear more examples like this with these laws coming down. So um, your thoughts about what Oshun said, and then we're going to go to the caller, um, Latrice. 
Um, I think she, you know, what she said doesn't doesn't really need. She it summarized everything. Um, we see young girls playing this this game, not recognizing that 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 game has real life consequences um, for their future, and um, in this this new landscape that that we may have to to live, it's important that those consequences are made clearer to our young folks. Because if we take a look at our current state, we live in a society in this country where rents, home home prices are astronomical, rents are are astronomical, wages are stagnant, um, union busting is all around. Um, there is a move to take away those protections for the workplace. And so we live in a society that seems to have this this um, this issue with with regular old citizens in this country being able to survive, and this is just going to add another layer of complications. And so I think um, we're going to have to really step up and begin to plan strategically and methodically how we move forward so that our families aren't adversely impacted. Well, absolutely. Um, we're going to have to college. really learn how to – okay, go ahead and go to the call. Oh, no, 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 no. I, mean, I, I thought you were finished. Finish, yeah, finish that comment. No, I, I was just saying that, you know, from an economic perspective, we're going to have to make better choices about education. You know, when we look at going to college, is it really worth going to college or should I look at a certification? And when I go to college, you know, while we need social workers, but we have to stop looking at how we can help others and begin to look at how we can help ourselves first. So we need to start looking at those STEM careers when our kids go to college. I see so many college graduates, and then they're like, yeah, my baby got a degree in social work. Your baby got a lot of loans and a lot of debt and a low-income job. So we're going to have to begin having these talks with our kids, getting them interested in these careers at a young age that will allow them to excel from a salary perspective, and that will help lift them up economically. we're going to have to learn about investing and help our children learn to begin investing at a young age. Because, you know, while we think about that Roe v. Wade is about a woman's right to control her own body, mm-hmm. the implications are that it's going to impact us from an economic perspective. So we need to begin thinking about how we can attack it from that perspective. Oh, I love you bringing in those layers because, again, even I, again, not wanting to waste time on whether it's right or wrong or not, haven't even thought about all those levels and layers that you're bringing to to the table, and you are right. This one decision, we the things you're talking about, as a, to a degree, we're always talking about the need to do it. But I, based on what you're saying now, I also, as you say, this decision makes it more imperative. So it's like we need to get off the, the stew, if you will, and start acting on this because this is the new reality, as you said, with inflation and higher costs these things become even more dire in the event that more children are going to be had and we're less prepared if we don't think about these things. So I love those thoughts. Let's go to the caller. Area code 678, last 3306. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Good day. This is uh, Tennyson calling from Atlanta. Hello, Latrice and Montoya. How you doing, Um, King? Pretty well. So, you know, I think some of the things we've got to consider is that from the 1950s to the 1970s before uh, Roe Wade became legal in 1973, there was an estimated 500,000 to 1.2 million illegal abortion that took place in the U.S. 
and so which led to unsafe abortions and uh, harm and in some cases death. So we can expect to return back to those days. And also, I guess we got to consider abortion is more than just being used as a contraception. When, uh, you know, when we consider abortion cover those who unfortunately have been raped, a victim of incest, or in the case of a mother, life is in danger. Uh, these, these conservative states now are passing laws to ban all type of abortions. So even when a woman is being raped, incest, she now is being told, you better have that baby. And not only that, when the baby is born, as Latrice had pointed out, they are not uh, uh, providing those, those care, such as health care, uh, such as early child um, education, and the list goes on. And so we so have how do we to prepare consider... our community, Dennison? How do we prepare our well, community? Well, well... And I'm, and, well, I'm, and I'm doing that on intentional, just, and again, I don't know how long you've been listening, but that's the dialogue. This, this is the new reality. How do we prepare our community? That's, the dialogue, that's today's dialogue. So cause if, this, if, this, if it's coming down, whether we agree with it or not, if it's the new reality, how do we prepare our community, in your opinion? Well, we, and that's, that's why I brought this up, because part of it is mobilizing and educating a lot of people, because I think a lot of people aren't well educated to the fact that, you know, the, one of the things that's happening right now is that they're putting this argument out that they're using abortion as, as contraception. And if people understand, it's more than just that. So if one, you've got to educate the community to say, hey, it's a lot more than that. Just as Latrice pointed out, you know, also actually educate with the fact that it's very costly. And then the other part is you have to uh, allow the community to say you have the right to go out there and vote for those who support your position as it relates to abortion. See, brother, I'm just being, I'm being, I'm, being, I'm doing this intentionally because you're focused on whether we can get the law overturned or not. I'm focused on how, whether, whether we not educating on just how to get the law. I'm talking about if this is the new reality. It was in place because what's happening now in 1973, the conservatives, this happened to them. And I, you know, I don't know how they prepare in a sense the community going forward since they had different beliefs, but the reality is it's flipped on those who agree with it. So I don't, we're not having no dialogue about whether abortion is right or not. That's not today's discussion. So I'm challenging you because you're brilliant, Tennyson, to have dialogue about what you think, like, like for example, Latrice was just talking about the other layers that I hadn't even thought about uh, of why it becomes more imperative that we start having better conversations with this new reality for our children. I don't know how long you've been listening, but I pointed out while there may be a, for example, a 30, 20 split throughout the country as far as where you might be able to get an abortion versus where you might not be able to get to. The reality is our children may go to schools in either state. So with, so whatever side you fall on, I want to have a dialogue even for the political parties to not get bogged down on whether it's right or wrong and have the conversation about are we going to bring sex education back into schools, for example. That's just one idea. What is your idea for how we talk to our next generation who this landscape is very different than them? Because I, I did a, 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 a mini show on this on Wednesday night, and I said, this on, I said this on that show. I think this will really have you hone in to where we're going. So on that show, I said, if you, I said on Wednesday night show, I said if, if your reality is if your life, 
would have looked very different had you hadn't if you had you not had abortion as a part of your life. If you're someone whose life would have looked very different, it's time to figure out what dialogues could have been had with you to not get in that situation. Because if we don't think of it on that level, we're going to leave these babies out to dry. So I hope what I'm saying makes a lot of sense for those, because whether you agree or disagree with the abortion, there are plenty of people in the entire country of all races, but particularly to our community, whose lives would look very different had they had to come to terms with their child. And I'm saying for anybody that was in that position, the children behind us, they don't have the option that you had if you chose to get an abortion. I'm not judging it, but if our children don't have that option, whatever messaging we got is not going to be good enough because they may not have the option. That's the dialogue today. Go ahead, Tennessee. But see, what, you, what, 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 what I'm saying to Montoya, you're, what you just said, it, 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 it has a lot of uh, merit. But understand that you're speaking from a point of view of a woman and a man sit down and have sex. I'm, t- I'm coming from the point of view of rape and incest, where you have no choice in that matter. You see what I'm saying? But, and but, so but that's, that but that's, that's 5% of abortions, Tennyson. So I, I, I'm always, you know this um, about me. I, I, I don't, I like to focus on the majority situation because that's the dialogue we have to have because the 5% is unfortunate. Again, it's not even about agreeing with it, but that, like I would agree with you on that part, but, not, but 95% of abortions are not happening under those circumstances. So I want to have the dialogue to our children who in a sense, if you, if again, whatever side of you, if you're on the side of you believe in abortions, well, a lot of people's lives will look very different right now. So whatever messaging we had in our, in our lives is not good enough for the next generation. So getting away from the, the, the 5% into the 95 or not, even if it's 10%, getting to the 90%, what's your dialogue for, you have children, what's your new dialogue for your children? Because it has to be something different. What we got ain't good enough in the new landscape. Let's be honest. That's why this conversation is so important. What we got is not good enough in the new landscape, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that, but I don't think what we got was good enough. No, I agree. I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree. But, you know, what we got to understand, and you're saying that, you know, it's not about we can't be just looking at overturning law. Remember now, federal law trumps state law. And so when I say for us to mobilize and, you know, let people, you know, because we're talking about 68, 68% but today's of the conversation population. is about what, until it gets over. So even if you do what you do, I want to know, until you get it turned over, what's the conversation to the community? I'm, I'm giving you one last shot to answer that question, not focus on whether we can turn the law or not. Because that's the question today. That's the conversation we're having. We're having a conversation about what now? Now what? That's today's conversation. So I'm just challenging you because I know you're brilliant. What are you saying to your children? Because you're not, you see what I'm saying? What are you saying to your children about, you know, how are you preparing them? Because that's what the dialogue, in my opinion, has to be, or we're not serving the next generation. We're not serving them to, to just focus on the law right now, in my opinion. We're not serving them just to focus on that. I'm not saying well, people I, can't do what you're talking about, but that's not this conversation today. Right. I mean, fair enough. I mean, you, 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 we, 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 we got to uh, explain 
the entire law to you know to or to the community. So they, they know if they find themselves in a, so next next. Right. I'm being, I'm, I'm being contentious for, for a reason because, again, I'm trying to push us to that dialogue. So I'm, I'm challenging you, and I love the fact that you're calling in, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving past the obvious one because I think we will spend too if, – if you're an activist or able to pull off what you're talking about, people will still do that, and it may be 50 years from now before it gets overturned again. It may be 30 years from now. Either way, that aside. You can't get it. You can't. You might. You probably can't get an abortion. So if that's the new reality, what are we saying to our children? That's what we got to think about. Thank you for the call, King. We got another um, brother, PF. He wants to get back in. If you will, come off the one and come back on if you want to get back in. I just again, I just, I'm just really wanting our community to think about that. I have some comments from a, from one of my past guests that really will put this on the head, and I'll be interested to hear what all of you may think about it. So get back in on these on these comments. Let me go to another caller for now, brother Pianchi. I think that's right. you. Um, if you will, King, uh, what you got for us this morning? Well, I'm glad you put emphasis on the percentages. That uh, argument about raising this is not no condition. Reality, really, is not the London of no astronomical numbers. I like what the young lady said, uh, your guest. She talked about the preparation of education. You know, a funny thing, Montoya. Seem like every a problem that we can identify, it all goes back to education when you look for likely solutions. Uh, student debt. Well, where's the education that tells you that taking up a psychology major or a history major doesn't pay very well to pay off these astronomical debts? Uh, go back to family. You got to have family. And you have to have rules and standards within family. No sex outside of marriage is a good one. Believe it or not, that was a uh, mainstay when I was coming up. So the likelihood of these changes uh, that needs to be made, and I don't think anybody should have really had a, a dependence on that procedure as a remedy that uh, people would uh, go to. You know, when women up north got pregnant, young girls, they were sent down south. It was an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment on the family. So, uh, and another thing, it never was a law, and the Supreme Court had no authority to make the ruling that it did. That should be left up to the state. And that's why it comes civics, the government, and how it works should also be taught in the schools, that way they would know better when politicians try to come up with yet the next bamboozlement. So let me chat. Let me Thank let you, me ask you this real quick. Let me ask you this real quick, Bill, before I let you go. So you know, it's pretty obvious what side of you land on this. Again, I'm less focused on that. I don't know if you heard what I mentioned this. Um, mentioned this earlier that I'm, I think you know I'm a political independent or whatever, and I've always been personally perplexed on why the right is pro-life and why the left is, if you will, pro-choice, because that's based on the agenda of what both do. It seems like they should be flip-flop. So while I understand, you know, and, and I'm not even just from a legal standpoint, being a legal studies major, I understand, in a sense, from a constitutional law point, why it may have, in a sense, been shot down on the federal level. Again, whether I agree or not doesn't matter. Um, again, I hear your where, you're, where you land on this, um, but I I just want to hear your thoughts, knowing you have a position 
What are your thoughts about the fact that um, one side, if you will, pushes programs that may help people who are now in situations where the because the average the average person is low income that like say if you want to shoot to the bigger numbers that we that you agreed to that average person is someone who's already had a child um, is low income um, some college and this is possibly their first abortion and and above and beyond whether you agree with that person's decision the reality is we're going to have more people in that situation which possibly will create more people, if you will, living off the state. And I know people that feel like you don't like that either. So I just always wonder, how does that even go hand-in-hand? Because as much as I will agree, we got to return to some type of messaging that prepares people for this new reality. I'm also very aware that people are still going to be in this situation. And initially, like Latrice said on this show, it's going to be more people that are in that situation, in my opinion, before they even – get home of what I'm trying to do today, which is a conversation about how do we smartly navigate and have less people go through these scenarios. But the reality is, at first, there are going to be more people in that situation. So how do you feel about um, that there are going to be more people that the state's going to have to take care of? That's always been perplexing to me by from both sides of it. I think, again, Democrats should be pro-life and Republicans should be pro-choice based on their agendas. Your thoughts on that real quick. Well, it shouldn't be people cast into that position. You know, where is family? Family has to be well, a support be, well, we for young the people. reality that they are. Like, the conversation is the reality. Plenty of people are in that situation. And, 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 and I, I, well, and like, uh, I think you will agree with this. I think you will agree with some of what the messaging should be going forward, because I'm, 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 I'm big and, you know, I'm always pushing healthy marriages for, for children. But if we're honest, that ain't the answer today, because that ain't. Well, some people gonna be hit across the street by cars too, Montoya. Think about it. They're gonna get killed across the street by cars. So if you don't put the mechanism in place as a family head, even a bird, teach, a eagle teaches the young eagles how to find and go catch fish. So if you do away with that, that natural educational component that's supposed to go come along with children. The mother was a child at one time, so if she was not taught right as a child, how do you expect for her to act on him as an adult? And that's that what, that's what the mystic is. That's what I'm asking you. Like, like I agree. The reality is, you see, it can be done in, in all the. Let me throw so one thing. One thing. Uh, look, one, one, one more thing. One more thing. People have a lot of people have not been taught, and I was fortunate enough that sex education because of the AIDS epidemic got pushed through public schools. So I also think that should be an answer based on the fact that a lot of people have not been taught in the natural family structure. That is our current reality, whether we like it or not. And, and whether we have this law in place, that alone is not going to return people to doing what you, what they should do. I'm talking about speak to the reality, to the fact that plenty of people have not, have not been taught. And so, I don't. Yeah, I not only, not only in that area. Look at the, look at this go around with quote unquote pandemic, people wearing masks, but their eyes are open. So where is the education, the biological education that teaches young people the effects and how viruses and bacteria survive? Apparently they didn't know. It's not being taught. 
You got grown people that's going out falling prey to some of these ideas and some of these tactics. So apparently there's something wrong someplace along the way. I would say it's education and lack of family who is putting that type of responsibility, teaching that type of responsibility onto their children. Right. And what you're not hearing is when it's not happening, the reality is Some people don't fall by the wayside, sir. Well, there's a whole bunch of more than some, unfortunately. But thank you for your three cents. Latrice, any thoughts on what we're talking about right now? Well, I've been thank trying you. not to say this, but, but I am going to now. While, you know, you stated that it doesn't belong, that this, this Roe v. rate doesn't belong in the Supreme Court, a woman's uterus doesn't belong in legislation, period. Now that that's off my chest, um, back to solutions. Um, abstinence, really, we can, we can preach it but we really need to be honest and promote birth control because kids are going to be curious with access to the technological advances, i.e. Internet and and things of that nature, that kids are curious. So we need to make certain that we're having conversations with them that prepare them um, in case their young minds begin to have their bodies engage in adult behavior so they don't have to deal with an unwanted forced pregnancy. Um, thing I, what I see with some other um, races and ethnic groups is that they have households with multi-generations living in those households, um, or they live in the same neighborhood. Their neighbors, you might have grandparents that live next door to their children, their adult children. I think we as a community are going to have to look to begin doing something similar, and I know we haven't, that hasn't been a part of our community because of how we came to be in this country, but I think it's something that we need to begin to look at. Um, one of the things that I really hate hearing is, oh, well, my child turns 18, they got to get out. We need to begin to be more strategic with our children. We need to be more strategic with how we build up our households in light of this new reality that we might be navigating and we may need to have those, you know, where we are living as neighbors to our parents so that we have that greater sense of family and community that can help. Um, and, and that's another way to not just enable us to to progress economically, but from a cultural perspective as well. Uh, sounds good. Um, I'm going to challenge that we have even more honest conversations based on this new reality that won't necessarily fit, in my opinion, in the sentiments that we're used to and that we're comfortable with. I'm going to share some thoughts coming out of this break um, by Six the Goddess, one of our former guests. Um, she was pretty upset, in a sense, to see our reaction to a degree as a collective to this. Um, and so I want to share these thoughts coming out of the break. And I'm going to share um, um, some uh, another hard conversation that I think will now become necessary because to Brother Pianchi's point, I will say um, the the education, again, I don't know if conservatives, are, again, will be willing to put sex education back in the schools. That's what I would have loved to ask for him since he's so focused on education. Um, but I think it still requires a bunch of real conversations that our community specifically has and still hasn't gotten comfortable with. And again, I say that based on when we did the shows on what our parents taught us about sex or what do you teach your children about sex uh, was pretty weak still what we're putting out there, even though we're in a big, very sexualized conversation. So in my opinion, it's going to have to become some balance of, as you said, the reality to the fact that children are, in a sense uh, come of age and are going to have sex. Uh, but uh, there are some values 
I think it has to be a balancing act based on this new reality. It can't, in a sense, just be one or the other, in my opinion. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you serious about learning how to earn significant income on a regular basis as a trader or investor in the U.S. stock or foreign exchange markets? If so, you may be the perfect student to learn technical analysis for trading or investing at the Blacks Academy. With over 15 years of experience in investment strategies, here's what a current student recently said about his experience at Blacks Academy. Yeah, this class has been excellent, and I've had a lot of experience trading, but um, this is the most exposure that I've had to breaking down the theory behind TA. I'm really excited to continue the journey. For a similar experience, don't allow new traders with overnight success to promise you riches they can't deliver on. Instead, learn the foundations of trading and investing the right way at Blacks Academy. To learn more, visit them at blacks.academy online. That's B-L-A-X-E dot academy. Or search for Blacks Academy on YouTube. Like, just just simply because of the fact that he asks, can he take the condom off? She, she automatically... Uh, allow her little spider senses or whatever to start tingling to where she say, hey, listen, I need to back about this situation because now I know that, you know, this is not a responsible guy. And because he's not responsible with even laying down with me, even though I know I don't have anything or whatever, and we having a moment and we're having fun and we're, we want to, we want to be safe with our fun. Because some things happen, we want to be safe with our funds. So now should the woman automatically be like, you know what, I need to pull myself up out of this situation, not not because of what we're doing right now, but for the simple fact of, like, moving forward in the long haul, I don't feel like this guy. Can you really use that situation to determine whether or not a guy is going to be a good father just because the simple fact in a heated moment he wanted to take the condom off. Do you look at that as if he's going to be respons- irresponsible as a father just because he was irresponsible and laying down with that woman? Absolutely. So here it is. You know, we always talk about the term, we always hear now, red flags, right? And I told you mm-hmm. about this. The, the largest red flag that should ever exist is the man who says, I don't like condoms. I want to take it off, and I'm talking about especially early. Now, you know, I understand once you build a relationship. I still think this should apply even then. That should be the biggest red flag, and, yes, you need to escape about that moment because here's the reason why. In life, you got to play the percentages. So if you got a guy that's willing to be irresponsible in that moment, where there's a chance that a baby could come out of this situation, even though in his head he plans to pull out, right? You know, he ain't want no baby mm-hmm. he plans to pull out or whatever. And so, but if he's willing to be irresponsible in that moment, to expect for him to be responsible once a baby, to me, is absolutely ludicrous. Now, I'm not saying every man will be irresponsible, but to expect, a man who's willing to be irresponsible in that moment to have an expectation that he will now be somebody's good daddy is foolish as hell. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. 
I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? If you're online wanting to get in on this discussion, please give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak as you hear um, one of my thoughtful rants, which is our sometimes we do quick hitters, no commercial, commercial-free um, com- commentaries, if you will. And that was myself and another Queen of Intellect member, DeAja Robinson, talking about deadbeat fathers. And I was highlighting one of the biggest red flags that, in a sense, women should look out for. And I, I, I presented that example, Latrice, if you will, as, in my opinion, one of the real conversations that we have to we should already be having, but it becomes, in my opinion, more important to have those type of conversations based on this new reality because I always believe if you get into the liberal thoughts and the conservative thoughts or in this, in this, on this particular situation, as with all things, the truth is somewhat in the middle. And so, at least in my opinion, and so me pointing out, hey, here's the game that I would give my daughter, um, that's a real-life conversation that I think more parents have to have or need to have based on the new landscape. That's an example. Uh, I want to get a quick thought before I share um, Six the Goddess's comments on uh, how she sees this new landscape. Go ahead, Queen. Any thoughts on just even hearing? Um, I, yeah, go ahead, I, I definitely believe that, that we're going to have to have those conversations about being more responsible and making better choices, um, looking for those red flags, um, because that one night of, or of fun could – eventually turn into a lifetime of pain and suffering economically from having to raise a child that one wasn't prepared to have. And so I think that it's definitely going to create a greater sense or a greater need for um, responsible sexual entanglements, engagements, whatever, Um, making certain that you are keeping yourself safe, but also ensuring that whomever it is that you're partnering with that, you know, if there is an accident, is this someone who's going to step up and be actively engaged um, financially, emotionally, socially with, with rearing a child? Um, because that is that will be important as we move forward in this new landscape. All right. So let me share these thoughts from, again, Six the Goddess. Um, again, this was on her page. Um, she says, the Roe versus Wade abortion talk has been extremely eye-opening and scary to me. She says, my mind cannot grasp the thought process of if we can't get abortions, women will die. So y'all will really die before having condom slash birth control sex. Instead of if we can't get abortions, we should take the proper steps and self-control to not get pregnant unless we want a baby. And then she goes on and give this, this commentary. And so she says, good luck out there, fellas. I wouldn't wish a lot of these women on my worst enemy. Their mindset is pure trash. I'm going to pray for y'all because what the fuck? She says, I'm a 32-year-old and have never had an abortion in my life, so this isn't someone mansplaining. I've lived this. Not getting pregnant is not hard. As a woman, I have always known that it is my responsibility to protect myself and be selfless, not conceiving life and then killing my child because I was selfish. When I got pregnant with my son at 18, I womaned up, birthed him, and loved and raised him well. Was it a struggle? Yes. Was I going to kill him because I opened my legs? No. It's ironic to me that so many women preach women's empowerment, then subconsciously give up their power by acting like they have no control 
over their own wounds, like pregnancy is something you accidentally catch. Then you say you love women, but you use rape slash insect victims as a shield to justify why you need abortion when there are only less than 5% of the cases. The main reasons for abortion is, number one, not sure who the dad is, and two, you broke. So you flash rape victim in front of you to get to get through to the to the clinic. Disgusting. If women can't control their womb slash legs opening, they can't control anything. That is the first form of power and discipline as a woman. And if you would rather die than exercise that power, then you're subconsciously admitting you're useless and powerless. God help us all. So obviously that involves her thoughts, her emotions, and that's how she sees it. I would pull out, in my opinion, the meat on the bone is, as you just said, how necessary it becomes to talk about sexual discipline to men and women. Obviously, she's talking mostly to women. From her perspective, I just gave the example, you know, the example that you just heard was me talking to the agent saying, hey, here's a red flag of how to avoid an irresponsible man, because that's the game I would give my daughter, and which I will give my daughter one day when I'm married and have my first daughter, right? She's going to get that game, and this new landscape makes it more imperative that even I, as a parent, if you will, get over my fears of talking to my children about sex in a landscape where it's on their phone every day because they're slicker at getting to it than I am able at blocking it. I agree. Now, I don't necessarily agree with all of the comments that that um, you read um, because we have to look at access to contraception. Um, there's a study that shows that when you remove barriers, right now typically black and brown women use the least effective methods of contraception. But there are actually studies that show when you remove barriers to access, including financial barriers, people will choose the most effective um, contraception contraception to use. And so when we begin to talk about that, we have mm-hmm. to begin to look at those other areas of inequity that, that weigh sense. into decisions that are being made. Oftentimes we look at it from a you need to make better decisions, but we don't mm-hmm. understand the underlying layers that right, are that contributing to those decisions being made. And so I think that it's, it's a little careless and reckless for not recognizing that that is a hindrance for a lot of women. Now, that makes a lot of sense, again, and to me, that's the conversation today, right? So, again, I appreciate it, for example, Tennyson's fervor about, you know, what can be done, in a sense, to get rid of this law, right? And, again, but, again, as mm-hmm. I, I adamantly was saying, that's not our discussion today, right? So, since it's not our discussion, what you just brought in is another part, another part that has to come to the forefront, right? If this is going to be mm-hmm. our new reality, then there needs to be in a sense, some mobilizing behind get, getting that access. Like even though some people are focused on it, it now has to become a bigger focus if we, in effect, care about the next generation. Just like we're also saying we got to step up in our dialogues individually as parents with our children. I hear you saying, well, if this is the new reality, we can't just dismiss mobilizing around what that access like looks like because that is some political involvement. Okay, boom, this is the new lay of the land. You're in a red state. If the reality is you're in a red state, while you may want to fight that red state on changing the law, if your numbers are not in your favor, you better focus on access 
And if you focus mm-hmm. on turning the law down and you leave out access, then it becomes useless to have just one prong is what I think I hear you. One, a wrong prong attack of be responsible, be disciplined. That's limited and, and, and not smart for today's time, I think is what I hear you saying. Absolutely. And then you also have to take into account the side effects of birth control that, it, you know, it has on women. And so none of these things go without consequences. And so it's not an easy land. This new landscape that we're potentially going to have to navigate is going to be extraordinarily complex because you definitely will need greater access to birth control, but then you're going to have to deal with the consequences of the side effects of birth control. Um, you're going to have to deal with the economic output. So we have a lot of difficult conversations that we need to be having, um, and, and, you know, we need to be realistic in these conversations. We can talk about pre- preaching abstinence, but really is it realistic that our kids, like you said, with sex on their phones, is it really realistic to preach abstinence to them? Yes, we can say that it would be best if you not in, in, engage in this activity, but if you do, be safe, and here is how you can be safe. And although I'll give you access to this birth control, this is not giving you permission but it's saying, should you choose to disobey what I'm asking you to do or not to do, then at least be safe as you navigate these waters that you choose to engage in. And that's the game. Um, but Phyllis then that comes with, yep, and that's the game you know, Phyllis we, A. Smith, now Phyllis Young, gave me my entire life extremely effective, and I didn't realize how mm-hmm. effective it was until I got to college. Um I think, yeah. I think you've heard me say this on the show before. I would never respond to my mother who, who, who literally said exactly what you just said. I am not giving you permission. And, but she went a step to make sure I had condoms. And then as a junior in college, as far as while I've been bringing these from the clinic, you know, she didn't say it to this degree. I now understand she was getting them from the clinic. I just know I always had condoms because she made sure I had them, right? Because I don't want you having mm-hmm. sex, but if you do, Here's what I want you to do. I actually listened to her vehemently. And as a junior, she said, I'm not even going to bring these here anymore. You need to get over the hump of buying them. So she made me buy them, which was the most, which is crazy because of how our culture is about sex. And this is why we don't talk about it. I'm been, I'm having sex. And as a junior, I'm having to go and she's making me go in the store and buy condoms. It felt so weird. But I get to college and realized some of my friends had yet to buy condoms in a store. They were only willing to go into a, you know, one of those bathrooms that might get one, and they might get one or might not. And it was normal for me in college, and I realized it wasn't normal for them. At that point, I realized how good my mother's focus and talk, because unfortunately, she had had me as a young mother, and she did not want me to repeat that cycle. And so she was great at having those conversations. Let's go to this last break. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. You listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? 
at moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Are you intimidated by money? Why, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. If you're not following us on social media, IG, Mental underscore Dialogue, please follow us there so you can hear more and see advertisements for Making Money Matter Mondays. We have it this Monday at 8 p.m. Ashley Thomas and Dr. Katrina Pittman is one of my events I'm most proud of where we money and mental health meets. Uh, we are discussing financial security and what is your number. Uh, very few people, in a sense, in a sense, have a map for themselves of where they're trying to head, and so it really affects how effective you can be with your money and understanding, if you will, um, the fears behind even knowing your numbers. So that's going to be an exercise we're doing on Monday. So I encourage you to DM me on the IG page to get, because we sent out the link if you ask for the link or follow us on or me personally, Montoya Smith on Facebook or the Mental Dialogue Facebook page. Please DM me if you will. I'll even give out my number if you want to text me if you don't have access to social media. It's 404-604-9477. This morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? Um, I actually meant to play a quick cut from Dave Chappelle. Um, I love how comedians, in a sense, challenge us to think, and I think he pushes the envelope here. As a, as a, as, and I, I think it would be crazy for us not to discuss this new landscape amongst or amidst the current gender war that's happening, too. I think things get lost in that, and we waste time on things we should be focused on. So I wanted to share this cut from Dave Chappelle, and I'll get to Oshun, who's trying to get back in. The other caller that just called in, if you're trying to get in, you have to press 1. We'll get to you both out out of this um, cut from Dave Chappelle. Actually, I don't see the cut, so we might go without the cut. Hold on, let me see. Give it one more try. Oh, there it is. Got it. All right. I'll be real with you, and I know nobody gives a fuck what I think. Anyway, uh, I'm not for abortion. Oh, shut up, nigga. (laughs) I'm not for it, but I'm not against it either. It all depends on who I get pregnant. I don't care, I'll tell you right now, I don't care what your religious beliefs are or anything. If you have a dick, 
you need to shut the fuck up on this one. Seriously. This is theirs. The right to choose is their unequivocal right. Not only do I believe they have the right to choose, I believe that they shouldn't have to consult anybody except for a physician about how they exercise that right. Gentlemen, that is fair. And ladies, to be fair to us, I also believe if you decide to have the baby, a man should not have to pay. That's fair. If you can kill this motherfucker, I can at least abandon him. It's my money, my choice. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest, co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then what? As we hear Dave Chappelle, master comedian, challenging really both sides of this conversation, if you will, when it comes to um, the dialogue. And again, we were talking about having real discussions. I think, again, while that's comedy, I think there are some real conversations that have to be had amongst the, if you will, the gender war latrice that sometimes things don't get talked about because we're so emotionally one-sided, and that's not going to help us in the new landscape. I think there's some reality in what Dave is saying there that now needs to be included now that the landscape is not as simple as you may be able to get an abortion or not. Does that make sense, Queen, your thoughts in hearing oh, that, that, those commentary, that commentary from Dave Chappelle? It's definitely more important now than ever before because – if a woman gets pregnant, if, if there's this potential that we're navigating a landscape without Roe v. Wade and a woman gets pregnant, there is no choice. She has to have that baby, and you, you know, you're going to be held responsible for paying child support if she chooses to take that route, which she should. Um, but I think that it is important to have those conversations before engaging in sexual activity so that you understand where each is coming from. Understand that if I get pregnant, there is no recourse but a forced pregnancy. So that means that you're now going to be forced to take care of a child that you're not, you know, so are you prepared for that before we do this dance of intercourse? That conversation definitely needs to be had. All right, I think Oshun wants to get back in. Let me let her get in. Um, last three six zero zero. Um, um, first three eight five zero. Last three six zero zero. If you're trying to get in, we only got a few minutes. You got to press one to get in. All right, Oshun, go ahead, Queen. Thanks for getting back in with us. Oshun, you're live on the air. Did you try to? Were you trying to get back in? I may have it wrong. It's two eight three. Um, you're live on the air. I thought that was someone I knew. I'm sorry. Do I have it wrong? Oh, okay. Is that me? Oh, okay, that's you, Brief. Who is that? Who is that? Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, right. that's Brad. It's me, man. What's good? Yeah, what's going on, brother? Yeah, give us your three cents on it. We got about five minutes before we get hey. this thing down. Yeah, no, I, I, I try to make somebody else's number. I apologize. I try to make it quick. I wasn't listening enough. I must have missed it. But um, hey, I um, and I'm a I'm a fan of uh, Dave Chappelle's point of view, and and have always had that. And people say it's a contradiction. You know, I I believe you can be pro life but believe a woman has her her own choices to make about her own body. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, pro-life means how do we preserve life? I mean, and it, it seems like a contradiction, but I fought 25 years 
in wars for this country for peace. So that is a contradiction in and of itself as well. So, but I, what what I would hope for for future discussions, I know you've narrowed discussion because we had to, but for future discussions, I, I hope we say what does this law mean to us today is how does this affect other civil rights that we have? If we allow to say that we can we cannot do this, um, or women doesn't have a choice to do this, and, and somebody can come in and tell us what to do with our bodies, then we're, every other civil right that we've had from on the federal level um, to to give us the freedoms that we have has been a result, has overturned state rules and laws and legislation that that has uh, restricted what we are able to do, whether it's the vote. Uh, I mean, and what are we talking about in Florida now? The don't say gay laws, what we're teaching in class. So some of these these programs and things that you or discussions you want to have and or how to uh, combat where we are now, we have laws now that are uh, uh, being creating barriers for that. So we can't go to schools and have these discussions. Um, more resources for parents that are having these babies now that they can't go get uh, abortions. Uh, well, you got Republicans who won't pass laws for more welfare, so those resources aren't available. So we have to think about it in that, that sense of how does this impact the flow of future legislation that, that overturns these civil rights that, that we uh, um, are benefited from right now. Now, thank you for those thoughts, because I think one of the challenges from a political standpoint is if this is the new lay of the land, it's going to be very dangerous if both sides literally stay stuck on their agenda. It's going to be very dangerous for the rest of us. It's going to be very dangerous for both sides if they just stay in their position versus the dialogue of what makes sense. We're going to go. We're going to get ten years from now and be forced into what makes sense if this is going to stay the new law lay of the land, right? We're like we're literally going to be forced into it when we wait for the consequences versus being realistic about what that looks like. I talked about it earlier in the show. Whether it's getting public, you know, getting sex education necessarily back in the schools, that should be no argument no more. If this is going to be the new thing, you can't even, as you know, one of my colleagues, you can't just be focused on getting the law changed when this is a new reality. If you don't put the public education and just focus on the law, we're going to leave these babies out to dry. So it's a lot of consequences. You're right. Further conversations. Thank you for those thoughts. Um, Key, I'm going to give Latrice yeah. one last thought. Uh, appreciate you for getting your three cents in, uh, B-Funk. Thank you, bro. Um, I just want to say that, you know, we, we definitely need to have a lot of a lot of difficult conversations as we move forward in this potentially new landscape. But we also, you know, to Tennyson's point, we don't we can't forego the activism because there were tons of other references that littered Alito's opinion. Um, one of those things that could potentially come up is access to birth control. It was mentioned in his in his in that leaked opinion. And so we're looking at a lot of issues as a result of Roe v. Wade potentially being overturned in a racial marriage also mentioned. So we have a long way to go. We've come a long way from a regard with regard to equity. This is taking us backwards, and we have to wonder, as, a, as people of color, how is it going to move us from a social justice perspective backwards as well while we have those conversations to keep our community from drowning? No, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Queen, for having this conversation. Again, I would put on the table 
the new landscape until the things that, again, because what I'm saying, I want to be real clear, even for Tennyson and, and as you said, Latrice, I want to be clear. I'm not saying not to do those things. It just wasn't the conversation. And I know you understand this. That right. wasn't the conversation today. So, oh, absolutely. You know, def- yeah, definitely. We definitely can chew gum and, and, and what is it, chew gum and walk at the same time, right? So mm-hmm. I'm definitely not suggesting that the conversation today was just particularly, you know, what does it look like? Because in the meantime, we have to get out front ahead of the new reality. And I, and I ho- definitely hope Oshun is right. And I think she, to a degree, humans will always adjust to a degree. But sometimes we've seen dire consequences to us adjusting too late in the game. You know, some of the stuff mm-hmm. we talked about, the different layers. You know, we talked, we've talked about this on the show many times, how to go to school, get a good, you know, get a good education and get a good job. We talked about that for way too long. And now mm-hmm. we're focused on college and stuff with debt versus going after the certification and things of that nature. So this was just an opportunity for us to really wrap our heads around the messaging that we prepare within our own homes and we'll look, what that looks like culturally. And hopefully some of our churches will also take it on just like they did during the pen, during the AIDS epidemic and actually start considering providing that education because our churches still touch a lot of our community. And so hopefully they're not caught up in the only what's in their Bible to the degree that they're not willing to aid the community once again, because I think we're at that type of situation again, if this is going to be the new lay of the land. So it's almost a challenge to our community to what, like you say, how do we not drown in the meantime? We have to think about that. Thank you so much for that conversation today, Queen. We'll see y'all next Saturday. But all I ask is that you think.